G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie presents a new series in Revelation, its authorship, its message, and its relevance to the times in which we live. The Apostle John wrote the book of Revelation. John was one of the apostles that walked with Jesus Christ. In fact, in his gospel, he described himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. He outlived all the other disciples, and they tried to put him to death, according to church tradition, in a pot of boiling oil. But John would not die. So instead, they banished him to the distant island of Patmos, an isolated little island out in the middle of nowhere. He was put on a ship, probably in chains. And when he was placed on that island, no one ever thought that they would hear from John again. Maybe even John felt abandoned by God. I don't know. But I know this much. Jesus Christ came to the Apostle John on the island of Patmos. And the Lord took John into the future, sort of catapulted him into the next dimension. And he saw things that no man had ever seen before. John had a front row seat to the beginning of the tribulation period. He tells us about the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, the battle of Armageddon, and the second coming of Jesus Christ. He also tells us about the millennial reign of Jesus, where the lamb and the lion will lie together. And John tells us about that momentous event when heaven and earth all come together again. And he wrote these words down in a book that is simply called Revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation means unveiling. So this book is given to unveil, to reveal Jesus Christ to us. Okay, we'll grab your Bible and turn to the book of Revelation. We're all very aware of the fact that our world is in turmoil right now. There's a sense of fear in the air. Uh, This is due in part to this global pandemic that was supposed to have come and gone, but it just seems to go on and on with new strains of the virus with no real end in sight at the moment. It's affected people all around the world. Meanwhile, back at home, we see our cities uh, in turmoil. We see the murder rate up dramatically. We see all the things that are going on and it causes us to wonder, are these signs of the times? Are these the things the Bible told us to be looking for, letting us know that Christ is coming back? The answer is, yes, they are. Jesus likened the end times events or the signs of the times to birth pains. So um, labor pains, we might say. 
So when the baby is closer to coming, to being born, the labor pains get closer and closer together. The Bible tells us that as we get closer to the Lord's return, we're gonna see these signs or these labor pains, if you will, closer and closer together, alerting us to the fact that his return is near. And as we see these signs happening, we understand that they're almost like dominoes. You know, if you take a lot of dominoes and stack them closely together, when the first domino goes, all the others follow in rapid succession. That's what the last day's events are like. The first domino falls and the others come after. Let me give you a big picture of how I see the end times events. I believe the next event on the prophetic calendar will be the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is that event when Christ comes for his church and we're caught up to meet him in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. That could happen at any time. Following that will probably be the invasion of Magog against Israel. It could be right after that or a little bit after that, but it seems like it will be in close proximity to that event called the rapture. Also after the rapture, that coming world leader emerges on the scene called the Antichrist, also known as the Beast. He effectively inaugurates a seven-year period called the Great Tribulation Period. When Antichrist first comes on the scene, he seems like a good guy. He seems like a man of peace, a man with economic solutions, a man who fixes things. But at the halfway point of the seven-year tribulation, Antichrist shows us true colors and commits what is called by Jesus in Matthew 24, the abomination of desolation. He has the Jewish temple rebuilt and he erects an image of himself in it and commands people to worship him. Now there's a series of cataclysmic judgments that fall on the earth for the remainder of the tribulation period and everything culminates in a massive series of battles called Armageddon. Then Christ comes back in the second coming. It's a separate event from the rapture. In the rapture he comes for his church and the second coming he returns with his church. After this we have what is called the millennium. The millennium means a thousand. The word millennium means a thousand. And it's the 1,000 year reign of Christ. And then heaven and earth become one as the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. Amazing things are going to happen. But the first domino has not yet fallen. The rapture has not yet taken place. But we know these things because we believe in the book. Listen to this. Christians know things that non-Christians do not know. We know that God is good and man is bad. Now people often have that reversed. They think man is good and God is bad. And this is often expressed in a question along the lines of how could a God of love allow this and that? Where in effect I'm putting myself in the position to judge God. I'm challenging the fact that God is loving because I don't agree with it. Listen, who are you? When did you become the moral center of the universe? Here's the bottom line. Man is not good. Man is bad. Bad to the bone. He's utterly sinful. All of us are, but God is good. But because we know man is bad, we know that man is not gonna solve these problems. But we know ultimately God will resolve these things and we know God is in control. Yes, folks, I do believe we're in the last days. 
And it's important that we understand what's happening around us. In Romans chapter 13, the Apostle Paul writes, understanding the present time. The hour has come for us to wake up from our slumber because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. Yes, we need to understand the times we're living in. And there's no better book to explain all of that to us than the book of Revelation, the last book of the New Testament. The word revelation means the unveiling because it is God's desire to unveil or to reveal. God does not want to conceal these things from you. He wants to reveal these things to us. And Bible prophecy is not given to scare us. It's given to prepare us. So what does it reveal? Well, when we come to the book of Revelation, it's like the veil is taken away and I see the spirit world. The spirit world of angels and demons and God and Satan. The world of heaven and of hell and the world that shows us what is coming as well. Yes, I will learn about the Antichrist and his henchmen in the book of Revelation. But the primary focus of Revelation is not Antichrist, it's Jesus Christ. Don't waste your time trying to figure out who Antichrist is. Give your attention to who Jesus Christ is because he is the very center of the book of Revelation and he's the very center of Bible prophecy in general. Revelation 19.10 says, the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. Jesus is the centerpiece and the star and focus of the book of Revelation. And should he not be the centerpiece and star of your life and my life as well. You know, sometimes we can get so caught up in the study of eschatology, which is a word that refers to last day's events and so forth, that we can't see the forest for the trees. Listen to this. Bible prophecy is not given to inflate our brains. It's given to enlarge our hearts. Understand the book of Revelation was written to believers who were suffering. In fact, it was written by a believer who was suffering, banished to the island of Patmos. I'm talking about the apostle John. Church tradition tells us that they tried to boil him in a pot of oil and were unsuccessful. So he was banished to this island where the Lord gave him this unveiling, this revelation of things to come. It's sort of like John was put in a spiritual time machine and catapulted into the future. I don't think it was a DeLorean. <laughs> but the idea is he saw the future because he entered into the eternal realm. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. Today he's launching an eye-opening study into the prophetic book of Revelation. You've joined us at a really good time. Let's continue. Here's something you need to know about the book of Revelation. It is the only book of the Bible with a built-in blessing attached. Let me say that again. Revelation is the only book in the Bible with a built-in blessing attached. By the way, there is no other book in the Bible with an introduction and a conclusion quite like this one. And that blessing is found in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, when it says, blessed. And by the way, the word blessed can also be translated happy. So happy or blessed is he who reads 
and hears the words of this prophecy and keeps the things that are written in it for the time is near. Now there are three prerequisites necessary to receive this blessing. Number one, blessed is the person who reads it. I already mentioned that the implication of the original language is to read it out loud. You know, there's something wonderful about reading scripture out loud, isn't there? And we'll do that in just a moment. So you are to read it, but you can't just stop there. Then it says, and to the person who hears the words of this prophecy. See, I can read it, but I have to hear it. And when the Bible says hear something, it means to have an understanding of it. Uh, it's giving your uh, attention with intention. Jesus would often say, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. A modern translation of that might be, listen up, pay attention, hear what is actually being said. There's nothing magical about simply reading this book. You need to pray that the Holy Spirit will open up your mind and your heart to what it is actually saying. Again, when your focus is on Jesus and on heavenly things, it changes you in the way that you live. In Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul says, set your affection on things above, or another way to translate it, think about heaven, or a simple uh, idea of it is just have your mind and your thoughts focused on the glory of God and on heaven. And if you do that, it'll affect you in the way that you live on earth. The fact is, those that think more about heaven make the greatest difference here on earth. This blessing is promised also to the person who keeps the things that are written in it. So first you have to read it, then you have to hear it or perceive it or understand it, and thirdly, you must keep these words. You know, it's interesting to note that whenever you read passages about the return of Christ, there's always an exhortation attached for us to live a godly life as a result. Peter, in 2 Peter 3.11, talking about the return of the Lord, says, since these things are happening around us, what holy and godly lives should we be living? If studying Bible prophecy does not motivate us to live a godly life, we have missed the point. Uh, writing about this, 1 John 3, 3 says, when you have this eager expectation of the Lord's return, you will keep yourself pure just as he is pure. Number two, studying the book of Revelation unlocks the mystery of history. It unlocks the mystery of history. We see that God is in control and things are moving according to a master Plan. This is not being decided by people in government or people in power or people in tech or people wherever they are. God is ultimately in control and he sees the future as accurately as we see the past. You see, when God tells us something that's gonna happen, it's not like he's going out on a limb and taking a risk. God, being eternal, sees the past and the future and the present as the same. Uh, now I said he knows the future as well as I know the past. A lot of times I forget the past. You know, it's funny. I'll be telling a story about something that happened to me. And when I'm done, my wife will say, that's not the way it happened. And I'll say, no, wait, you weren't even there. She says, no, but the first time you told me about it, you told me things you didn't tell in this telling of the story. And doggone it, she's right, Okay. <laughs> So I don't even remember the past all that accurately. God remembers the past perfectly, but he also knows the future perfectly. 
So this is the thing that we need to understand, that this book unlocks the mystery of history. God tells us what is going on. Number three, studying the book of Revelation will bring sense to our suffering. What do you say to someone who has suffered tragedy? What do you say to someone who is grappling with a disability? What do you say to someone who has lost a loved one? What do you say to someone who is weeping from grief? Answer, you say, this is not God's final plan. Because Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. When I read the Bible and specifically the book of Revelation, I realize that God is going to resolve all things in the end. I heard a story about a guy who loved to read the book of Revelation. Uh, but he had no proper theological training and he was being criticized by some wiser so-called theologians. And they said, you don't understand the book of Revelation. And he said, no, I, I do. I do understand it. They said, no, no one can understand the book of Revelation. It's a mystery. It's a riddle. It's an enigma. He says, no, I, I do understand the book of Revelation. They said, all right, what is the book of Revelation about? And he replied, it means we win. Hey, that guy was right. We win in the end. And God wants us to understand revelation and prophecy in general. I mentioned briefly the abomination of desolation. And then it's interesting, this statement is attached to that. Let the reader understand. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, says Jesus, and it adds, let the reader understand. Why would that be added if I'm not supposed to understand what that is all about? Paul writing about end times events, he says, brothers, I would not have you be ignorant about these things. Uh, speaking of Daniel, in chapter 12 of his book, he's disturbed by visions he is having. And by the way, Daniel in the Old Testament is a parallel book to Revelation in the New Testament. So I'll be referring to Daniel uh, because they complement one another. But in chapter 12, the prophet is disturbed by visions he's having. He doesn't understand it. He can't quite wrap his mind around the meaning of these things. And an angel of the Lord appears to him in Daniel chapter 12 and says, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end. Many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. You see, Daniel was told that his visions were a glimpse into the future and he wasn't gonna be able to understand them. In fact, no one would be able to until the time of the end when knowledge would increase. You see, it was a secret to him at the time, but now we know the secret. Everybody likes to know a secret. Uh, my grandkids, when they were little, I used to trick them and we'd be going into a restaurant and Everyone else would go in the front door and I'd say, kids, you want to go in the secret way? Yes, Papa, they'd say, let's go the secret way. And I would just take them through a side door. But they thought it was so fun. We came the secret way with Papa. There's a park uh, not far from our house and we used to call it the secret park. And there was nothing secretive about it. It's an open public park. But, but they thought it was a secret park. Well, now they know it's not a secret anymore. But the funny thing is we still refer to it that way. And Kathy will say, I'm going to walk down to the secret park. Everyone likes to know a secret. Secrets are revealed in the book 
of Revelation. Pastor Greg Laurie just getting started with his opening study in his new series of Revelation. And there's much more to come right here on A New Beginning. Well, next time, he helps us to further unlock the eye-opening insights contained in the book of Revelation. I hope you can join us for more on A New Beginning. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called Your Password to Unlocking Revelation. Now, if you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1-800-00-5011 or go to visionstore.org.au. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.